In some ways, to say that white supremacists are going into spaces affiliated with video games to recruit, it's very, like, not surprising to say, because if you're trying to recruit, like, the next generation, you know, where are young people? Young people are online and they're playing video games. So it's like, in some ways, well, of course, that's where you would go. And particularly, like, if you're looking for spaces where straight, white, middle-class men, potentially with, like, feelings of disenfranchisement, at least the stereotype is those people gather in online gaming spaces. Megan Condis is worried. She's been a gamer her whole life and went on to study video games as her job. But she has recently encountered a trend that's unsettling, to say the least. She's noticed that behind some avatars in extremely popular online games, like Fortnite and Minecraft, are recruiters for the alt-right and the KKK. As an assistant professor of video game studies at Texas Tech University, she began to investigate the networks of white supremacists active on her turf, targeting young men vulnerable to the hate they're peddling. In 2017, on a popular private chat platform for gamers called Discord, organizers were hashing out the logistics for the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Last year, a Slate reporter created an account on Discord, and in a single afternoon, she found and joined more than 20 neo-Nazi and white supremacist communities on the platform. It's not news to anyone that white supremacists are online making and sharing racist memes. But what's been drawing them to a platform for gamers, and especially the young men who gather there? Megan thinks she's found some answers. I'm Eamon Ismail, and you're listening to Man Up. On this show every week, we tell honest stories about our lives and investigate where we get our ideas about what it means to be a man. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. In 2018, Anya Kemenitz, a correspondent with NPR, told this story about a father of two in Colorado. He came home one night and found that his 15-year-old son had printed the entirety of a white supremacist propaganda book in his home office. It's white culture is in trouble and we are under attack by Jews and blacks and every other minority. It was scary. It was absolutely frightening to even see that in my house. His son was playing online with strangers, like many teenagers do, and had been seduced by members of a Nazi group. Megan Condis is familiar with that case and she studied others like them. She believes the roots for this run really deep. So when I was three years old, my dad ran a pizza restaurant in our small town in Illinois that had an arcade in it. So video games were like always, from the time that I can remember, like a thing that my friends and I did together. So in the arcade, it's like a place where kids gather and no one there paid attention to if you were a girl or a boy or whatever. It was more like, oh, you know, whose quarter was up first? Like who's getting (laughs) the next turn? When I noticed video games starting to become a thing where 
like being a girl and playing them was considered weird was when the consoles like the the NES and the Sega Genesis and stuff like that were moving into households and it became not like a place where you go to play games but rather a commodity that you buy from like the toy store often like KB Toys or Toys R Us and in a lot of those spaces it's like there's there's girl toys and there's boy toys and video games often ended up being listed as some of the boy toys that's when I started to get the first comments of like wait you aren't supposed to have this you aren't supposed to be into playing games like you went to the wrong aisle in the toy store (laughs) like (laughs) don't you know you were supposed to go over to the place that had like the kitchens and the barbies and stuff Megan now studies how video games are sold and how their consumers express their identities through them. The things that really interest me are how people use these technologies that, when they were first developed, seemed to be these beacons of hope that would move us beyond the body. Mm. Like, so that famous cartoon that says, on the internet, no one can tell that you're a dog. (laughs) Yeah. And what I got really interested in was how particularly in video game culture, which is what I study, but all over the internet, different communities, instead of just deciding gender and race don't matter to us anymore, it became more about, well, how can we use these new technologies to express gender and race and to police gender and race in new ways? So I wrote a while back about this multiplayer game called Rust, where the developer decided we're going to randomly determine what is the race and the gender of the body that you appear in this online world? as and they tagged it to your steam id which steam is like a a marketplace for games so you couldn't just like keep reloading until you got the body you wanted it was like being born into the world like this is just the body that you were born with and it made people really frustrated and upset and there was a lot of toxicity in the community around that because people were worried that you know oh i'm not able to construct the kind of digital identity that I want to be able to construct. You're, not, you're taking these tools of expression away from me. So walk me through it. How exactly are white supremacists recruiting gamers? Are they looking for any particular kind of gamer? I think for one, even though we know now that like a lot of women and people of all ages and people of all races play video games, mm-hmm. there's still this pocket of video game culture, like the hardcore pocket of video game culture, that at least in the popular imagination is reserved for the geeky, straight, white, adolescent male. Hmm. And like, so those tend to be the like competitive online scene. Yeah. And in a lot of those spaces, there is a feeling of being a cultural outsider that's associated with belong in those spaces so like we are the geeks we are the nerds we're the people that the jocks and the popular kids kind of rejected and so we formed this community where we're protective of each other and we kind of have our own values and we kind of protect the boundaries of this space and so when those spaces start to be opened up to other types of participants. I think that people in those spaces often feel threatened. So when you have things like, well, we're going to make alterations to this popular character that you remember from your youth. So like Tifa from Final Fantasy VII, we're going to alter her character model because we want this game to be appealing to a kind of wider demographic base. Then this group kind of reacts to to protect itself and they 
they worry that, oh, we have people who are from outside of our subculture are going to come in and like reorganize our subculture and maybe erase the things that were so nourishing to us and that kind of helped us survive along with each other. And what I've noticed is I think a lot of political groups, so not just white supremacist groups, but like political groups in general, see these spaces as spaces that had up until now been kind of relatively uninterested in politics. Mm -hmm. But since they are having these debates inside of the borders of these spaces about like who counts as a member of the space, who uh, is kind of an interloper into the space, and they see that that story has the same shape of a lot of the debates that are taking place right now around immigration and around um, like gender politics and stuff like that. And so I think a lot of these groups see that as an opportunity to say, oh, this is a new voter base that we could go after. And all we have to do is kind of tailor our pitch to them so that it makes sense according to the discussions they're already having in this space. Just last week, white nationalist and pseudo-race science peddler Stefan Molyneux shared a photo of himself to his Twitter account. He's holding a pickaxe, and the caption says, getting ready for my next Minecraft show, a game, by the way, in which 60% of its players are teenagers. The thing about gaming that makes it kind of an especially attractive subculture for some of these recruiters is that they can speak to that story that gamers tell about themselves, that we are the guys who get rejected by the girl. We are the white men who have been left behind by affirmative action. Like we already have a lot of these kind of these like aggrieved parts of our identity that are built into what we think of being a gamer means. Mm-hmm. And so when you come into that group and you can say, yes, you're right about all that. And the reason that you feel this way is because these kind of powerful forces, these social justice warriors or progressives who are into political correctness or whatever it may be, these are the people that are keeping your subculture down and that are making it so that it's not socially acceptable or who are blaming games for all these social ills, which is kind of ironic because, of course, what we see in the news recently is more conservative politicians who are blaming video games for things like shootings and stuff like that. But in the gaming community, I think they are kind of predisposed to think about identity politics in a way that says that um, any kind of changes that make people of color or women more visible are threatening because these spaces had so long traditionally been kind of reserved for straight white men. Or even like in the fighting game community. So like if you talk to people who are in the fighting game community, it's, it's a community that's like kind of notorious for trash talking being like a thing that marks you as like a member of the community, being able to dish it out and being able to take it. And if you talk to members of some of those communities, they'll say, well, everyone who's inside the community knows that when we, we use this gendered or racialized language, we're not, we're not being serious about, like we don't mean that we hate black people or that we hate women or something like that. We're just trying to use like the most loaded, most charged words to disrupt their thinking and to be able to like, get a competitive edge. Yeah, yeah. They they would say, well, I'm not a racist or a sexist in my heart. Like, that's not what I intend when I use this language. And so for you to come in and critique this use of language, it makes me feel like I'm being personally attacked. Like, you're telling me I'm a bad person. Shouldn't intention matter? Like, if everyone inside of this in-group knows that the words that 
they're using don't mean what they're supposed to mean. Doesn't that matter? Isn't that something that we should at least consider and work around? So I think intention matters some. Mm -hmm. I also think like the, the bumper sticker phrase that people use is like intention isn't magic. (laughs) So, like, sometimes intention doesn't mitigate outcomes. Maybe your intent wasn't to drive a woman or a person of color or a queer person out of your space. But if we see that that is regularly the outcome of what you're doing, I think it's at least worth having the conversation. And in my experience, at least other academics that I know, we aren't necessarily interested in, like, persecuting or blaming gamers for the ways that their communities are set up. We're, we're more interested in like trying to figure out, well, how did the communities come to be organized in this way? What are the things that are really positive about these communities? And then what are the things that we might be able to change in order to make these communities more inclusive? Yeah. And so it's it's not necessarily like, oh, well, their intention doesn't matter. Like, they actually are all racist because look at what they're doing or they actually really are sexist because look at what they're doing. It's more like, well, if you don't intend to be sexist but women don't feel welcome around you, then maybe you need to say that your intent isn't going as far as you would like it to go. And maybe you need to be better about expressing that intent somehow. Yeah, I think think that's a really good point. I, I keep thinking about just the term edgelord and people who mm. really try and skirt that line for shock and awe and attention. Uh, I keep mm-hmm. thinking back to that one video of a person, I think, running away from Charlottesville protesters, taking off his Nazi regalia, throwing it on the floor and saying, hey, it's a joke. It's a joke. I'm just kidding. I'm here to troll. Right. And the one of the protesters shouting at them, it's not a joke. Like, you're wearing it. Like, it's not a joke anymore. And, I, and I, I feel a lot of parallels between the two where for one person, it's something it's a it's a way to get a rise out of. I don't know what a real word is. I'm just going to call them normies. It's a way to get a rise out of mm. the normies. But in this case, what they're doing is they're co-opting language that makes other people feel less safe. Yeah. And you're like one more person attending this rally. Like so from the per- perspective of the people organizing the rally, like you you made us one man stronger you made us look bigger yeah you you were your useful idiot congratulations Mm. that's like best case scenario um (laughs) so do you think that the attitudes that we're talking about um particularly the vulnerability for gamers is more strong in for males than they are for females like do you think that the guys who are playing online games are more susceptible to being sucked into this culture where they might become edgelords or maybe become ripe for picking f- for by the by the alt-right recruiters in general and this has been true for a long time like white supremacists target men like there are women white supremacists but when people go out to recruit like they tend to try to find places where white males gather and so that's why like the punk scene was a place where white supremacists did some recruiting and you know like the pitch is aimed at like that stereotypical guy who is not as socially successful in the real world but who has has found his community online like the redditor or the 4chan resident or whatever 
I mean, they're not only appearing on these kinds of forums, though. I mean, I, I feel like what you're describing, I've seen on YouTube forums and mm -hmm. uh, also on Twitter accounts and on and so many other places where you you're afforded some amount of anonymity. So, I don't know. Is this related to video games at all? If it's just happening on forums about video games or pretty much happening on forums everywhere? Yeah, so I, I think that's a really good question because th I think that's a fair criticism is, is this just a thing, like is this an internet problem and not a, a gaming problem? And what I've noticed in my research is that gaming is kind of, it's a subculture that is maybe particularly susceptible to some of these tactics. So yes, this is a problem with like algorithms that are driving people towards more extreme content and with platforms kind of deciding what their job is in terms of moderation. But I think the reason that we see some of this rhetoric taking root in gaming culture more than we see it taking root in other kind of internet related subcultures is because of gaming's history with regards to gender and race. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you not worried at all that what we're talking about and like kind of blaming video games for creating these kinds of environments? Are you not worried at all that we're kind of parroting the right wing talking point that video games are just bad for kids? Yeah, I mean, I guess I want to be clear. I don't think it's the content of the games themselves that are doing it. So it, it's not like, oh, in this game, you are, you know, the character that you're playing as is a sexist and so therefore you are learning to be a sexist <laughs> like that I don't think that's the argument that I'm making I think it's more like these games are in many ways they're just unregulated spaces if only well, if for several reasons like for, it's they're ephemeral it's like you know kind of snapchat-esque whatever you say in your private match will go to the people who are in that match with you and they hear it, but unless they're like actively streaming it or recording it somehow, it's like it disappears. So it's hard to regulate in that way, but also just because it's, I think in a lot of these games cases until really, really recently, it wasn't a thing that they ever thought was their job to pay attention to. Like some of these online game developers were like, we want to make a cool game that will get lots of subscribers or will sell lots of DLC or whatever and like they considered making that thing their job and left community management as like an afterthought or even yeah. perhaps not thought of at all so yeah I guess I, I fear sometimes that what people will hear when we have discussions like this is video games are causing people to be awful people but I, like, I guess all I can 
do is just to continue to try to say like, well, no, there's more nuance than that. And it's, you know, something that maybe games and game marketing and game stories contribute to, but it's by far like not the most important aspect or the aspect that I think is in need of the most uh, address right now. So how do you appeal to that person? How do you get that person to see the real consequence of using racial epithets online or sexist ones? So that's the difficult question, right? That's like the basket of deplorables question. Yeah. In the classroom, I have had students who kind of start off really resistant to the idea that anything but their intent matters and that, you know, if people took what I said wrong and they thought that I was being hateful towards black people when I used the N-word, well, that's on them because they should have just asked what I meant by it if they didn't like that I used it or whatever. It's like you have people who are really like defensive like that. And over the course of a semester and they do some reading and they work in groups in the classroom and they see these different perspectives and they they start to kind of say, oh, well, you know, I guess maybe I should be a little more aware of like the language that I use. I think it's easier to do that when you're in a room full of people and you can look them in the face and you can see their facial expressions and hear their tones and know that when I say, well, what what you said is hurtful, they can they can hear the hurt as opposed to the accusation. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really difficult to do it in an online space where you I'm a username and I am a b- wall of text and you are hearing whatever uh, you are like reading into my words, whatever feelings you assume that I have about what you're doing. And if I criticize something that you're doing, it must be intended to hurt you or to make you feel guilty and bad and not be intended to help you or lift you up or, you know, educate you or or whatever it happens to be. And then I also think when leaders in the community step forward, so when like famous streamers or professional gamers or creators who are famous in the industry say, you know, this is this is not who we are. This is we are supposed to be a community where everyone feels welcome, where everyone can escape from their problems, not a space where people feel like they're driven out. I think that's really important. Yeah. So having like role models within the space that, you know, YouTubers that people watch all the time and and look up to and identify with kind of providing that model of saying, you know, yeah, it's all fun and games and we understand where you're coming from, but also, Hey guys, let's do better. I, I, I think I have a solution. Here's a, here's how I would fix the problem. I would okay. recruit Chris Hansen and get him to play Fortnite. And whenever he encounters an alt-right recruiter, have him like meet him and be like, hey, why don't you have a seat? I heard <laughs> you, uh, you sent this message. I'm trying to recruit some kids to the alt-right. I, I think that's great. So one... I like religiously watched that show, the Dateline, whatever it was, like to is it to catch a predator. Is that what it was? Yeah. And it's like every time it's fascinating where the they're just like, oh well, I I wasn't here for that. Like no, I I was gonna tell her how dangerous strangers were on the internet. That's why I was here. And you're like, okay. <laughs> but it's but also like probably isn't not not to criticize your solution because I think it's awesome. But like that's what would would happen right is they'd say oh well i was i'm not really a nazi i was just here for the trolling or the lulls Mm. like the guy at the charlottesville you were talking about who like took off like all the shirts and stuff and was like no it was i'm just doing this ironically yeah it's it just means an okay symbol why are you getting so mad it just means okay 
Right, right. Okay. But also always more work for Chris Hansen. Like, please, any show of yours, I will watch. (laughs) Look, I just turned 30 last week, and I still play video games a lot. It's something that I grew up with, and it's always been this crucial way that I bonded with some of my closest friends, and that's likely not going to change. I mean, I feel like I had to say that there isn't anything wrong with feeling like an outsider, and if you can find a community of online friends who you can count on taking you seriously, that's a good thing. But that isn't the issue here. What is the issue is that white supremacist groups see this vulnerable population of young men inside a culture that might lend itself to manipulation. And the fact that some gamers get real defensive about outsiders coming into their space works in the white supremacists' favor. There's a real threat in that. That's what Megan wanted to make clear. And as someone who also finds comfort in the digital gaming world, I agree with her. Here at Man Up, we love getting emails and voicemails, and we'd love to hear from you too. Want to share your experience with gaming online, or maybe you saw something on a gaming forum that concerned you? Leave a message at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or you can email us at manup at slate.com. Let me know if you've got topics for future episodes too. If you like this episode, consider supporting the kid and leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. But more importantly, subscribe. We've got new shows every week, and I'd hate for you to miss out. Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. Our producers are Cameron Drews and Danielle Hewitt. Our executive producers are Jeffrey Bloomer and Lowen Liu. Gabriel Roth is the editorial director of Slate Podcasts, and June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. We'll be back next week with more Man Up. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.